0: Future Proof Extra
1: with Jonathan McRae.
0: Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.
1: This is Future Proof on News Talk. I'm Jonathan McRae. If you'd like to contact us on the programme, we would love to hear your thoughts. You can email us, science at newstalk.com. You can tweet us. We're at Talk Science. You can text us for 30 cent 53106. We get to all of those comments in the podcast. Listen and subscribe for free. In the News Talk app, powered by GoLoud. Now, on average, an adult's heart beats 72 times a minute. In a lifetime, it creates enough energy to drive a truck to the moon and back. It generates an astonishing 2.5 gigajoules of energy. It's really an incredible thing. But yet, cardiac arrest and heart disease are still major causes of death worldwide, despite decades and decades of research into the heart and how it works. So how much further have we got to go before we can solve this problem? Well, Shan Harding is Emeritus Professor of Cardiac Pharmacology at the National Heart and Lung Institute in the Imperial College London. She's also the author of The Exquisite Machine, The New Science of the Heart. She joins me now. Shan. I, I, we've done a couple of features on, on the heart over um, the, the years and, and it is an extraordinary organ. Can you tell us just a little bit about that this thing in our body that keeps us alive?
0: Yes. um, uh, One of the things that has always struck me is how we can grow our hair, but the heart doesn't regenerate, has very, very little regenerative capacity in in itself. Now, that sounds really contradictory and it's taken a long time to understand exactly why that is. But it's one of the reasons is, it, is that it is so perfectly engineered that it can't turn over its cells too quickly, otherwise it disturbs the perfect sort of alignment and, and connection of those cells.
1: And uh, in terms of the, the mechanics of it, h- how much does our heart uh, beat over a lifetime? Do we get a certain amount of heartbeats? and And what sort of effort is going on inside the body
0: so there's a a, a you've given some great statistics actually but there's this molecule that powers it atp and it's it's turned over all the time but if it didn't turn over then it you you would use half your body weight in, in a in a day that's the amount of of energy it's taking from you that that's uh, it's absolutely incredible wow um the calculation is that i've made is that uh, for a washing machine it would be something like um 10 washes a day for a thousand years to to equal that you say the challenge the real challenge is how do we even equal that in any kind of engineering that we're doing and it's been um you know the moonshot for example the the, t- the time the moonshot in the 1960s there was an equivalent to make a full artificial heart and we still don't have one of those off the shelf for a person
1: mm. Uh, And uh, one of the problems, obviously, of those is flexing joints. And and considering this uh, heart beats 72 times a minute every single minute of your life, there is just no uh, warranty uh, given out by any manufacturer that would would last that sort of of length. So it's an extraordinary um, organ. uh, And yet it's also extremely resilient, isn't it? Because, as you say, it lasts from birth. All those cells stay with us our entire life. And it is so regular um it it's like clockwork it it um speeds up and slows down when we need it to but how does it fail and and why doesn't it fail sooner
0: and uh, so i mean a lot of people do get to quite an advanced age with, with their hearts okay so i just want to point that out but um the, there there's two reasons there's there's sort of the insults that happen to the heart so heart attack your blood vessels furring up and a clot coming and 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 producing a lack of oxygen which kills muscle basically so your, your muscle is dying but there's a there are, there are other things that have come up on the horizon that some things like pollution um, there's a, a great study I, I quote where so people um, have been asked to walk in Oxford Street you know the busy shopping street in London or Hyde Park which is uh, just at the other end of Oxford Street. So they're not very far away from each other. And um, they were sort of groups of either people who don't have heart disease or who do have heart disease, just walking at their own pace just for two hours. And if you walk in Hyde Park, you get a measurable increase in heart health, even in that time, which is good news. Wow. Yes, it's, it's, and it lasts for a couple of days, too. And uh, then in Oxford Street, exactly the opposite. Two hours, you can measure the damage that's happening to your blood v- vessels uh, in that time. Uh, and the noise is also actually adds to that. So so pollution and difficult to know what to do apart from advise people to avoid that. Chemotherapy, that's another, you know, real conundrum for the doctors, doctors, because they, they Drugs to treat cancer damage the heart. There's this very tiny bit of regeneration and it knocks that off and um you know in some of your it's only because people are surviving longer really with with, from cancer that we we're actually seeing this and it's been sort of estimated that um breast cancer which is pretty well treated now nine years after you've had your first diagnosis you're more likely to die from the side effects of the cancer drugs on your heart than you are from a a recurrence Hmm. So um, a there's a range, a
1: range of things that can happen. But there's the other side. So you, you, what you talked about there is mostly environmental, of course, and yes. and then there is the the genetic inherited issues to do with uh, a predisposition to certain heart problems. Is this your area of research?
0: Not my specific one, but it, I'm, I work with groups that are doing this. So uh, I'm looking at the the muscle cells themselves, and so mutations in those uh, or variants as we call them now really um a a lot of people are walking around with those so they there was one particular one called Titan, which is part of the kind of spring that springs your heart back again um and uh, for people who had the, the genetic cardiomyopathies, about 25% of them, it could be explained through this particular a mutation in this particular protein. Then when they looked at normal people, apparently normal people, young, healthy people, they were finding about 1% of the population had that mutation as well. They could be fine, but it predisposes you if you've got a kind of second hit. Um, And that can be something like the chemotherapy I was mentioning or pregnancy or um, alcohol at quite modest levels can be much more damaging to people with those kind of mutations. And of course, they're, they're just walking around. They don't know they've got this.
1: Tell me a little bit about your work in, in this area and uh, your work on cardiomyocytes, because um, you had an interesting job. You were trying to study failing hearts as they were failing and, and being removed from patients during heart transplants. How does that work exactly? And what were you trying to understand from that work?
0: Uh, so I, I I queue up in the operating theatre as they're taking Uh, the old, the failing heart out and putting the donor heart in. And then the surgeon, when they remember that I'm there, cuts a a piece of tissue that I I take back. Of course, I'm as a researcher i 'm the sort of um, the lowest of the, the low in the, the, the least important person in the operating room, so sometimes I uh, get left out of the equation but then I take back gently dissociate with kind of an enzyme solution and you can get that out the individual cells, which probably about the width of a human hair, and each of those cells beats like a tiny heart, so it 's really fascinating to watch in the dish you mm. put an electrical current across, and they all beat together. And so one of the things we were able to show was that um, there's this initial damage to the heart from a heart attack or something like that. But then there's a second phase of damage. And that's your your body kind of trying to re-stimulate your heart. You can sense that your heart is um, not giving out enough uh, in terms of blood flow. And it's trying to do everything it can to stimulate it, like adrenaline, for example, or retaining water to load up the heart. And this itself, you know, it's like an emergency response. It evolved really for, you know, when you were being chased by saber-toothed tigers or when you were being injured. We didn't really have heart attacks in our sort of evolutionary past. But it, it, it's reacting like that and it's, re, it's damaging further your heart. And we could see that in the cells we were taking from from, from these patients.
1: And, and so did that give you some sort of insight as to how to prevent, you know, secondary damage happening after a heart attack?
0: That's right. So the, all the drugs we have at the moment, in fact, for heart failure. So heart failure, I should just explain, is quite different from a heart attack. Mm. Heart attack, you know the symptoms, the, the sweaty, breathless, you know, jaw, uh, chest pain. Uh, heart failure is, they. you might call it more like drowning. You, you, you're retaining water. It's making you very breathless because it's retained around, around your lungs, around your gut, and you're not digesting well. You're extremely tired. Your limbs are swollen. And that's probably as bad a prognosis as the worst cancers, really. So all the drugs that we have are, are really to stop either the initial insults so like statins or blood pressure tablets to stop uh, you getting a heart attack or preventing you getting hypertension or they are to stop the body damaging itself even further like beta blockers to block adrenaline actually it's quite an overlap between the, the first lot of drugs and the second lot of drugs so that's all we have really for heart failure at the moment we don't have anything to stimulate the heart safely, or, or the so you you would like to stimulate the heart better than the body has done it, but it's very difficult to do that without disturbing the rhythm of the heart. And what we particularly were looking for was ways to repair the damage, ways to get back the muscle that's been lost.
1: And and is there a way of doing that? Is there a way of repairing the muscle that's lost after heart disease?
0: So the, the most promising uh, technique we have at the moment is to generate muscle from stem cells. And um, what we've been able to do is reprogram ordinary cells like skin cells or blood cells back to being these stem cells, which are like the very earliest cell in your body. Mm. And they have the potential to create all kinds of tissues if you get the right conditions. And so we've been able to refine these conditions to to get them back into cardiomyocytes, so i could take a, a, a small square of your skin and i could make heart muscle that's exactly matched to you genetically from that
1: so yeah. how far are we away from being able to grow much more than um a, a, some stem cells but to be able to grow a functioning organ that could re- replace a, a a complete heart how, how far away are we from that
0: at the moment we're just using patches of this about quite large patches like um about the size of your hand uh to wow. cover the heart so they, that's that's gone into clinical trials and and in about 2020 and there's been some early reports of benefit from that growing a whole heart is a bit more difficult because you have to get the blood vessels in there mm. and there are there are many other cells apart from muscle cells that that are there and so the that has been that's 3d printing is trying to do that but to get the very small blood vessels by 3d printing is proving the, the most challenging of all
1: yeah the the the, the vascularization the the, yeah, the, the blood right. vessels are they're, they're so small and so important and and so delicate that it's very difficult to print them to, to get them to work uh, effectively
0: but i tell you in our last experiments we we put a patch on on a heart and we were able to show that the blood vessels small blood vessels from the host heart grew into the patch mm. and so uh, it may be that we can sort of do that get and they wouldn't be enough to carry the blood by themselves because they're not very large but if we could get the print the large ones and get them to join up with the small ones that that could be a way
1: are there any instances in which we um we put ourselves at risk by exercising our heart too much you you mentioned in the book something about cyclists and i'm i'm a regular cyclist i I wouldn't say mega endurance but 60 kilometers to 80 kilometers a cycle are are cyclists particularly at a risk of, of heart trouble
0: I, yeah, I don't want to overemphasize this because I don't want to put anybody off exercise. Because exercise is very good, and and even ex- pretty extreme exercise is good. Um, but the kind of Tour de France type exercise, where you're doing this up a mountain and you're using your large leg muscles, you're using your upper body muscles, it's and you're going for a long time. It's particularly stressful for the heart. Again, it's this adrenaline. It's 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 got a damaging aspect to it if if you go to too far but it, it, it you know and, and there are evidences that many of these cyclists have uh, uh, rhythm disturbances and and some pr- premature deaths but it is very extreme so i don't want to put uh off, i don't oh, think i'm at that
1: oh. level i don't think many people are in in this country on that level at that level i don't think i'm at that level
0: well, if going up, you- and
1: that's all I care about, really. I mean, it's clear that's all I care about. Um, but but there are but obviously there, you know um, we can we can put our heart under too much stress, as we know from you know joggers falling um, falling down on the pavement as they do um, uh, having a cardiac arrest. What well, what about um, a, a dying from a broken heart? Is there any evidence to support that that actually happens?
0: Oh yes, it's a very real thing, and um, there's a very strong statistical um, chance of you dying the day after, or day, or just a few days after your spouse dies, and that that's that. that if you get on with them, that is. <laughs> yes. I didn't, I didn't realise that. So,
1: so statistically, quite mm-hmm. high.
0: Oh yes, yes, it's it's a strong thing. Yes, and uh, it happens uh, for bereavement, uh, for or even on the anniversary of bereavement. Um, you you know the Carrie Fisher. Uh, dying and then her mother dying a day or so later the um, person whose uh, I think wife died in in one of the latest shootings in the US and died after that so uh, there's, there's many I'm often asked to come on when something like this happens it happens really fairly frequently An uh, instance of this um and so this is sudden cardiac death we're talking about here and this is when your heart goes into fibrillation so that is a they call it the the like an arrhythmia like the bag of worms your, look, your heart looks like it's wriggling if you if you if look at it so it doesn't really pump anything out and wow. you've really only got you've really only got four minutes then and it's it's you see this when footballers collapse on the field as well and if you ha- don't get if you don't get c or to a defibrillator then you really have only got four minutes uh, there mm. um there's another one there's another thing that's called broken heart syndrome which is, is specific to postmenopausal women um or, or very highly you know specific they're, some some men do get it but people go in thinking they're having a heart attack and their their heart is contracting in a very odd way um, it's it's sort of contracting very hard at one point and then completely paralyzed at, at another point. And this actually, although there is a mortality from that, about 5%, a lot of people just recover. Um, and, and until they had spe- specialized imaging, they didn't see this strange shape. And so you'd have people coming in saying, I think I'm having a heart attack. And then they just get better and go away. And, and so, this is an, another thing I've studied a lot, and I think that this is a, a different face of adrenaline in a way that it, it has a way of pre- shutting down your heart partially to protect it against sudden cardiac death. Mm. And so, it's it, it's actually a kind of reflex to 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 prevent something worse happening to you. So, it's very interesting.
1: Well the book is uh, a really interesting exploration of the problems uh, that we face at the moment and some possible solutions it's called The Exquisite Machine Shan Harald Harding from the Imperial College London thanks for your time
0: Thank you very much Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.